What if I told you that in 1997, Paul Verhoeven directed a wonderfully subversive film that was woefully misunderstood? Would you like to know more? Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I am your host, the Thunderous Wizard, at WriterTLK on Twitter. Today we are talking about Starship Troopers. Along with me are Captain Cash, who you should remember. He has been our co-host for the last few episodes. And what are we drinking tonight, Captain Cash? Because... uh... We are not like Johnny Rico and apes that want to live forever. We'll be drinking the Elysian, the Immortal. And if you don't mind, let's do this thing. And tonight is a three-man weave. So our third member is a first-timer for the show. It is the Bitta... What was it? The Bitta what? (laughs) The Bitta Assassin. A.K.A. Chumpzilla. So welcome... Chumpzilla, a fan of this film, and he asked specifically to be on this episode. So before we get into the whole breakdown, we'll just go through sort of the particulars. So 1997, as I said, uh, it's based on Robert Heinlein's novel, which was a pro-war novel of the same name, written by Ed Neumeyer, co-writer of RoboCop, directed by Paul Verhoeven, uh, who also directed RoboCop, Total Recall, and... uh, infamously showgirls so on a budget of 105 million it made just 120 million dollars worldwide now a rumor now i can't verify this but the new york times did do an actual story about it in 1997 they were thinking that because the movie was so hyper violent that kids were actually buying tickets to a different movie and sneaking into this one so New York Times bought a thousand movie tickets for kids uh, to go see a different movie and then sneak into Starship Troopers. And that's apparently true. Casper Van Dien quoted, uh, they did a piece, they bought a thousand tickets for 13 and 14 year old boys to see Mr. Bean to see if they could sneak in and they could. So my first question before we get into the movie, did you guys ever do that and what movies? Uh, absolutely in this movie, actually. You snuck into this? I was 16 when this came out. Yeah, I snuck into this. So this really should have made $120,007.48? Yes, at least. You son of a bitch. Yeah, I I wish I could say I was that cool. So I snuck into two movies that I can recall from back in the day because it used to be when I'd go see a rated R movie, they didn't care. Uh, But I definitely snuck in to see Alien Resurrection. And I almost feel like I should have asked for my money back to the other movie that I was supposed to see because that movie was terrible. And something about Mary. Okay. Well, so I I feel this is an appropriate time for me to tell my only bad 90s movie story. Because, again, I'm not cool enough. I didn't sneak into anything. Um, But But how am I the the sneaky one? I'm not the sneaky one. You are sort of a criminal. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, but that's a, that's a solid move, though. I, I wasn't. I see. I wasn't that bold. Uh, but my my bad movie story in the '90s was uh, my high school girlfriend uh, and I were going to go to the movies, and we had two options: we could have seen The Matrix or Never Been Kissed. And oh, no. she convinced me to see Never Been Kissed. So I did not see The Matrix in theaters. Uh, what '99? I saw the awful Drew Barrymore. Uh, Jimmy Fallon vehicle instead, and I have never forgiven her for the rest of my life. Not Jimmy like Fallon. Uh, our buddy David Arquette, friend of the pod. Is, is he? Was that? Is he? Was that? Was that him? I thought it was Jimmy Fallon. He's the Rob. He's oh. her brother. <laughs> that re-enrolls in high school and becomes a star athlete. Oh. I'm gonna need about three more of these beers to get through this conversation. Oh my God, that's <laughs> but, that is but, truly terrible. I am but, sorry. Uh, so I didn't see the Matrix till it came out on DVD. I think I think I saw it. Uh, yeah, I think I think Josh bought it on DVD, and the first time I saw it, and then my mind was blown. And then I realized how how badly I had screwed up at that point. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I digress. Back back to the topic. Dan. I didn't see the Matrix in theaters either, and that's like one of the all time. And then I saw the two crappy Matrix Matrixes in theaters. So it's like, oh, boy, oh that's I did this time. wrong. Yeah, that was a mistake. So, as I said, sort of in the intro to this, this movie was woefully misunderstood, and I actually think it still continues to be, because the Amazon description for Starship Troopers is, Starship Troopers charts the lives of elite members of the mobile infantry, a young corps of young men and women soldiers fighting side by side in the intergalactic war, the battle to save mankind. And then it goes on and on, but it really doesn't mention the intention of the film, which I think is doing it a disservice because if you go into this movie now, you should know what you're going into. I think it helps the experience. Thunderous Wizard, if you go back and look at the way this movie was marketed, it was marketed as a straightforward action movie. Like, pretty hard at the time. I mean, that was the way it was presented. So it's almost kind of like they didn't want to advertise sort of the, the, the twist in any of the marketing material and it was marketed heavily. I mean, there were toys. You yeah. Know, this yeah. was, this was definitely in the tradition of the, uh, of the eighties R rated movie with toys. I mean, Hey, even Verhoeven's greatest over a Robocop got toys. Right. And a right. cartoon. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Robocop I, is, uh, was terribly misunderstood because they turned RoboCop into like a Saturday morning hero. And that was not the intention of that movie at all. No, no. I mean, he, he redeems himself at the end, but it, it, for the most part, that's, that's really not the, the key angle of that story. Now, I will say when I saw this as a kid, I hated this movie. And I hated it because I went into it thinking it was a straightforward action movie and then it had all these weird interludes that I was like, what is the point of this? Because I didn't get it at the time. And I was like, stop showing these stupid scenes with Neil Patrick Harris. And, you know, like the commercials. And I, I was annoyed by it. And now I watch it now and I'm like, oh, this is so brilliant. I just didn't get it then. I think some of the, some of the futurism in this movie was excellent as well. Which is another Verhoeven trademark, right? Truth. Like... The, 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 those those are those are pop-up ads he, he invented pop-up ads yeah <laughs> you know i mean i know the internet was already kind of a thing at the time but he he nailed it like that that it still feels um you 
when you rewatch this movie and you see it for the, the you know what it really is, it holds up well uh, from those social aspects. That stuff still resonates. I think it 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 came out probably a decade too early. I think if you if you put it in the lens of a country that's stuck in a seemingly end, endless war and they're still trying to pitch you on the righteousness of it, it totally it comes across in a completely different way. Whereas back then people were more naive, I think, to the way some of this stuff works. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and two, I, I personally, when I watched this as a, as as a, as a young. Uh, young man as a teenager, I definitely bought in to the rah, rah, rah uh, action movie aspects of it. I was totally with the characters and against the bugs. They're the bad guys. And it was a straightforward action movie. And, you know, I I think that is part of the genius is that that's what it wants. That's, that's what the movie is trying to make you think it's trying to kind of gloss over things that should be giving you pause, but you just, you just blow right past those, those yellow lights. Like, no, this is, I see where this movie's going. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. The bugs are bad. You know, it's, it's an action movie. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. It's crystal clear. And then when you get to the end, it's not as clear. And then upon, you know, further rewatching, you're like, wow, wait a minute. Okay. There's a lot more going on here. This is not just a straightforward action movie. <laughs> wait a minute. Was I cheering for the space Nazis? Hold yeah, on. Wait a minute. Like, cause, cause you go back to the Neil Patrick Harris stuff. He's an SS guard. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Yeah. Like clearly. And it's like, wait, but I, you know, that's the genius. It kind of gives you a, like a real brief glimpse into how easy it is to ignore some of that stuff. This is how Nazi Germany happens. It seems great until all of a sudden you get to the end. You're like, wait a minute. Did we go too far? Now, of course, uh, as we said, this was very intentional by Verhoeven. He grew up in Nazi-occupied Netherlands. And he, when he was sort of presented with this script and they were trying to get this novel's approval, like to use that as the source material, he hated the book. He's like, we're not going to send this message. This is the wrong message to send. Um, so all that Nazi-style uniforms, all that stuff is... Even the, the the actors being far too handsome, and they always look like their best, that's in the style of an old Nazi propaganda film. So just at the beginning of the movie, even, where they're all lined up and, and you've got the flag with the almost the very eagle-esque uh, imagery, yeah. that yeah, is straight out eagle. of Triumph of the Will, which is yeah. a huge Nazi propaganda oh, film. Oh, man. We're we're running into my my one sentence descriptor for this. Oh, all right. Well, what, why don't you Let's give us your one sentence description? It's triumph of the will in space. Okay, That's solid. Chumpzilla, do you have a one sentence description for this film? Yeah, Luke Skywalker and the cast of Space Dawson's Creek enlist in the Empire, and fun hijinks ensue. I like that. So mine was, do your part, Bugs, violin, do your part, Bugs, green violin, war, would you like to know more? That's my description of this movie. I would like to know more. Because everything is like, it's, you have the commercials, you've got them training and suffering horrific tragedy, but still rallying to the call, interspersed with like these moments 
and everything is like there's such a single-minded focus for them they're never questioning why this is happening or why they're going to war or you know how the bugs bombed this remote place and killed all these people who are central to every character in the film oh Oh, yeah let's talk about that first off and foremost fuck the mormons (laughs) fuck the mormons Oh, God. Wait, Mormons? The Mormons, the yeah, the 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 radical Mormons that that invaded the bug planet. Yeah. Oh. The colonizers. That yeah, co- colonizers. That caused this. Yeah. Yeah, they they invaded the bug space. They were unauthorized Mormon extremists. Holy shit! Is I just realized is this a that's the outpost. sequel to the Expanse? No. Oh. oh, here we go. Nerd Does alert. It- yeah, so Listen, it's a great show, and you should all be watching it. So this, when I say this movie came ten years too early, these are just some quotes from people that reviewed it at the time. New York Times, Janet Maslin, crazed and lurid spectacle, featuring a raunchiness tailor made for teenage boys. Jeff Weiss in the Desert News, nonstop splatterfest so devoid of taste and logic that it makes even the most brainless spl- summer blockbuster look intelligent. And even Roger Ebert who had praised uh, RoboCop for being pointed social satire, called it a one-dimensional, trivial nothing, pitched 11-year-old science fiction fans. Yeah. Uh, it, but but I, can't, I can't judge them for that because upon first view for me, this was like uh, Aliens 2, you know? Or, you know, or, it, was, it, was, it was like, yeah, it felt like an Aliens-esque movie to me. And it's you know, also I, coming in the time of, you know, Independence Day was, what, a couple years before this? And that yeah, movie is yeah. as pro-like, you know, like, proud, chest-thumping, America's the yeah. best, we, you know, movie as there is. And, USA, number yeah. one, yeah. You know, like the president no, I mean, I, flying yeah. a plane in that movie, and the, the hillbilly in the biplane is saving the day. And Hey, hey, hey Randy Quaid's finest moment you know why he acted so well in that movie because he thought the aliens truly existed in fact he, he's not doing so hot no unfortunately that's, he's not that, that is fact all the dinner quite eddie. well yeah poor cousin eddie now in verhoven's own words uh he said basically the political undercurrent of the film is that these heroes and heroines are living in a fascist utopia to your point uh, Chumpzilla, like, but they're not even aware of it. So when you were a kid watching it, you're not even aware that this sort of picturesque group of people who are suffering horrific tragedies yet keep soldiering on to fight the good fight. You know, you they, were just like they that. don't question it. You know, they don't uh, question it, and I didn't either. I they, just they went think for it's the ride. normal, and you're seduced to follow them. Uh, Absolutely. And I think, I mean, you really can't undersell how smart of a movie it is in that way. No, oh, that, and- that is the genius of this movie, and and I can't I can't blame those reviewers, uh, the contemporary reviewers for missing it because I, 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 that's how well done it was. I think it fooled the vast majority of people that saw it upon first viewing. I, I, that's why it didn't do well, because the genius of the movie went unnoticed until repeated viewing. That's my opinion. It has aged considerably well. Uh, Slant magazine. Uh, put it as the 20th best movie of the 1990s. I was in the yeah. top 50 of the AV Club's best 90s movies. So I can see that. 
I yeah, think, you know, I, I people can't... are turning around on it. And if you haven't seen it, there's really no better time than the present. A hundred percent. Can't, can't, this is a must see movie. I mean, RoboCop is also a must see movie for the subversive messages to come in that. And I mean, uh, Total Recall, same thing. Like if you've never seen any of these yes. Paul Verhoeven movies, they all have messages that really speak to the times we're living in now. And, and those movies, all his movies work on two levels. Well, all of his good movies work on two levels because I think, again, that's part of the reason this movie Starship Troopers went under the radar is because it passes as a straightforward action flick. Yep. It, it, it's a serviceable, well-paced, not a lot of fat. I'll steal from the uh, irate lover there. Not a lot of fat in this movie other than the, the stiff uh, Denise Richards side plot. But, this movie can be viewed as a straightforward action flick. And that's where your standard critics are going to give it the most flack. But in reality, there's a lot more to it. She actually would have been, she's really bad in this movie. And I know that's sort of intentional. Uh, as we mentioned, the actors are supposed to be sort of empty vessels who are following without real thought to why. Yeah. She, she's not written real well to her defense. No, she's not. And I think she would have been stronger if, her and Rico, who played by Casper Van Dien, their romance, the subtext of it breaking up is that uh, love is less important than duty, than one's commitment to serve. So so I'd just like to point out my favorite credit to Casper Van Dien is he was the Beastmaster in the third Beastmaster. Solid. Really? Solid. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. Sleepy Hollow. Uh, he's in a movie called The Collectors with Rick Fox, which was one of my all-time favorite bad cable movies I stumbled across years ago. <laughs> Not even sure what it was about, but Rick Fox was in it. Uh, Listen, like to... oh. there, there is only one Beastmaster. His name is Mark Singer. And that's all we need to say about that. Yeah. So my all-time favorite uh, bad cable movie that I stumbled across, and, and I, I had to actually text the Thundered thunderous wizard about three in the morning on this one uh black and white because i was watching a movie and mike tyson shows up and uh uh robert downey jr shows up and brooke shields and the kid from american pie and the wu-tang clan yeah ben stiller alan houston uh, Alan Houston, yeah, uh, Kathy Ireland. No, I forget. Oh, is wow. it Claudia Schiffer? Claudia Schiffer, that's her. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, what's uh, what's Jared Leto is in it, and I'm like, and I was watching it on satellite, and the description was for a different like cop drama movie. It wasn't for this one, so my mind was melted because I couldn't make sense of what I was watching, and I think. I think at some point, does Mike Tyson not choke out Ron, uh, Robert Downey Jr. for coming on to him? Yeah, and Mike Tyson, who, I mean, this was like, I don't know, late 90s. He's wearing leather pants through the entire movie, even when he's, like, training. It's very, it's very strange. It, it was the weirdest movie because you, you had this angle. It was like kids, and you had this angle with the Wu-Tang Clan, and then you had Alan Houston shaving points um with uh, off of college basketball games and uh, uh uh Ben Stiller was like some sort of like government snitch and the movie Nate made no sense and I probably had like four or five too many beers 
So I had to call, I had to call somebody to check my sanity to make sure I was actually seeing what I thought I was seeing. I own that movie simply because of Mike Tyson. It, it, that, that movie broke my brain. Like I, I saw that and that literally broke my brain. I, I wasn't sure what was real anymore. Wu-Tang is for the children. But moving on, we're moving back to Starship Troopers. Do you want to do a plot breakdown? Mm. Well, I mean, the plot is this alien civilization uh, from the planet... Uh, Clendathu. Clendathu. Klaatu, um, Barado, Nictu. Is, uh, is painted as being a, a hostile alien force, even though their territory is impeded upon. They bomb... Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, no, there's no Argentinians in this movie. And wait, wait, wait. I feel war. like we should talk about that because yeah. Yeah. they bomb Buenos Aires means they drop a rock. They send a, a an asteroid and it hits Buenos Aires and knocks it out. What they casually gloss over is the bugs don't have technology. It's all biological. The and yeah the. Yeah, yeah, the impression it, you're it, left with is qu- that it was well, it's like the sinking of Lusitania or the Maine, right? Like this was a crisis. This was an inside job for a purpose. Yeah, false flag. All I'm trying to tell you is, bug well, I, fuel cannot melt asteroid. Yeah, I, I think that's something. Again, I, I'll take a quick aside here. You know, let's let's time out with Chumpzilla. There is a lot of futurism in this movie, politically, technology-wise, that is on point. It basically predicts the negative backlash for Muslim Americans. Like, exactly. They, they, yep. they do a pop-up 100%. where they're, they're just stomping on cockroaches like, we got the bugs! And it's like, they're not even related to the bugs that supposedly did the thing that you guys are all upset about. Yeah, no, they're totally opposite. But they, they show, like, the bug in captivity with the cow. And, of course, it slaughters the cow. And it's like, this is what the bugs do. The other is, is nothing but violent. And it's driven to kill. You know, meanwhile, yeah. like, that's its matter of sustenance. But And, 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 we're, kill, and, and we're killing them. Yeah. They kill it's bad. We kill it's good. No, no, the other. So you've got the whole you've got the whole Nazi angle with just painting them as the other and all that. But no, I agree. There's another layer there that he also predicted as well. With hey, look at this. They they capitalized on that that perceived attack to to raise the the you know the the level of of, of anger and hatred towards the enemy. They they totally leveraged that. So hey, look, this is why we have to do what we do. We. The, we have to do it now. There's no other choice. Yeah. This this isn't optional anymore. We're we're clearly under attack. And of course the hero is like about to go down washout lane and he sees that Buenos Aires has been bombed and then he has the line, I say we kill them all. And of course you're supposed to, like, as a kid, you just like you said, like you rally behind their cause. Like, yeah, get them. Like, because you know, like any other action movie, you're rooting for these heroes to go take care of this malignant force. You know, not until later in the film, as it goes on, and then especially at the end, where the bug is afraid, like he humanizes the bug at the perfect point of the movie. And and you're like, yeah, that's right. They were just, they just want to be left alone. Fucking Mormons. Yeah, you know, and the Mormons had to go colonize their planet and get killed. 
Yeah. So just to kind of back up a bit as far as plot-driven stuff goes, basically our POV character is Johnny Rico, as as played by Casper Van Dien. You meet him in high school. He doesn't know what his plan is after college, but it is – or after high school, but it's probably to enlist. You know what bothers me the most about this movie upon repeated viewing, mm. Captain Cash, is that the – Johnny Rico does not look like a high schooler. <laughs> well, in fact, like he was twenty-seven years old. So, uh, or no, he was. This you, movie you was know, twenty-two years. He was twenty-eight years old. So, I, 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 I don't blame myself for for the suspension of disbelief for some of the other stuff this movie. But upon repeated viewing, yeah, he looks like he's thirty. Great, <laughs> and and uh, and his his arch nemesis or whatever. Yes, that guy's Xander. Yeah, yeah, look. Look, looks even older. <laughs> he looks 45. Xander Barkalow, <laughs> played by Patrick Muldoon, who, if yeah. you're a Saved by the Bell fan, you know is going to be an asshole because he's the scumbag that uh, stole Kelly from Zach. Well, <laughs> I knew I knew that guy from somewhere. So you just know that guy's going to be a weasel as soon as you see him. Uh, yeah, he's also 50 now, so he was damn near 30 when this movie came out. Yeah, yeah. And he, he looks all of 30, yeah. He's also apparently a stalker in this movie because he shows up to the other school's prom unprompted. <laughs> yeah, that... So, the other two main, I guess, characters, if you want to call them that, are Carmen Ibanez, as played by uh, Denise Richards. We're going to gloss over the fact that this whitewash is pretty hard. None of these people are remotely Hispanic. That's fine. I, I, uh, I, think, I think that was actually... I, I think that was... I've read somewhere that was actually done on purpose... Because I think they were trying to to do some sort of, um, uh, you know, angle where where the Americas had assimilated. Ah, uh, okay. But, but but yeah, of course, but of course they're all white. And Casper yeah. Van Dien yeah. is supposed to look like your typical. He's blonde haired, blue eyed. He's the you know. He's the stereotypical the German, the Aryan man. soldier, the super yeah. right. It, yeah, yeah that, that was the angle they were working there, and they tried to justify it in their world building. I think that that was the excuse that they probably had. Fair enough. And then the third is obviously NPH in a post Doogie Hauser pre How I Met Your Mother role as uh, Carl Jenkins, and <laughs> the idea is you're following these people from high school into their service. And part of it, we get future football, which I think is amazing. Uh, apparently, it's super dangerous for the the spectators because <laughs> what's his name? Patrick Muldoon, Xander takes a hard dive and knocks out like six people. Yeah, it's arena style, man. They're going over. They're going over the the wall. <laughs> this may be a propaganda film, but I will say it's very. Uh... Uh, pro uh, equality because the there's women playing on the football team. In fact, uh, his friend Dez, who's his other love interest, is the quarterback. I believe yeah, uh, you mean Dizzy Flores. Yeah. Uh, uh, you mean not Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> A couple things I noticed. I did not remember Amy Smart was in this movie. She is. Really? She's the co-pilot. Yeah, she's one of the, uh, that yeah. races. Oh yeah, that's right. Abanez and there's to... very in the in some of the worst scenes of the movie. Sadly. Yep, this movie also is a just a great Total Recall reunion between uh, Marshall Bell, who's Quato, and Dean Norris, who's uh, Frank in Total Recall. 
both appearances. And don't you dare, don't you dare forget Michael goddamn Ironside. Michael Ironside, Richter. See you at the party, Richter. As the the best worst teacher ever. He's introduced by saying, let's talk about the failure of democracy. If that wasn't a tip-off that, hey, maybe you're watching some fascist propaganda, I don't know what would be. Well, of course, then he's like, what's the difference between a citizen and, what do they call the other one? Because you can't civilian. be a, a citizen and a civilian. You can't be a real citizen yeah. until you've served. So you can't yeah. vote. You know, your rights are restricted until you do your duty. So I, I think that, that, yeah, that's a very poignant moment in the film because he equates voting to being a reward for your service and a vote equals force and force equals violence and naked force, you know, is the answer, you know, but do you believe it? Yeah. Like he's like, you you have to buy into this. Violence is the answer. It is the universal language. He literally says those things. Yeah. And and I'm like, still thought this was just a straight action film. That's amazing. uh, again, that's one thing. Upon repeated viewing, I'm like, "Wow, how did that just slip under the radar the first time I saw this?" Because, yeah, that's pretty, you know, pretty obvious fascist ideology. And I mean, one uh, of the the things you don't really notice either until you know now you watch it and it's it's so clear is is the stratification of classes within the military itself, and how Neil Patrick Harris, who is like an SS officer games in theory is all about like you guys are pieces that I'm moving around this board. If you die, it's all for the, for me to put the enemy in checkmate. So like you don't technically matter. You're just here for positioning purposes. Ends do a means. Yeah. Or um, means don't end. I mean. and, but with psychic powers. Yeah. And he's also a psychic. And of course he tells <laughs> them that and they're, they're cool with it. It's no big deal. Uh, though I, I know Michael Ironside does a great role in the first act as a teacher, but then we also get the bug dissection scene, which includes what clearly has to be like Lady Doctor Mengele. Like uh, you don't, it, they don't spend any time with her. Uh, but that, that's uh, it's Blanche Devereaux from the Golden Blanche. Girls. Oh Blanche. my God! Yeah, I really Golden should have looked girls. up who this was. Yeah, Captain so, Cash, but, Blanche Devereaux, you missed out on it. Yeah, so I'd like to point out in that scene, Captain Cash, that there is something that I think it kind of is kind of poignant. She talks about, uh, you know, how you know simple they are and blah 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 blah, and you know, there's some comment about evolution, and I think it's you know, it, it kind of it's kind of a basically saying that they're somehow inadequate they they're they're not equals to to the humans but then at the end they find out they do have a brain bug they 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 do think they that the, the, their society as a whole does have a a you know some sort of thoughtful you know presence you know and i think it's funny that that they're, she's trying to sell the kids on oh they don't think it's okay to tear them apart it's okay to kill them they're not like us but in the end, we find out no, actually, they are like us. They they do have a uh, some sort of thoughtful presence, and they do experience fear and other yeah, emotions, they, and they want to yeah, protect themselves. There, there's more to them than just slaughtering cows. Yep. Well, let let me just say then, 
the practical effects of this dissection are incredible. Whoever the prop person was did a great job. And I'm going to pour just a little bit out for good old Rue McClanahan. Rest in power, Rue. I I second that. I I think, uh, actually, I mean, the costumes, the practical effects, and uh, before we went live, uh, Chumpsell and I were talking about how well the special effects held up in this movie because there's a lot of moving parts. There's scenes where swarms of bugs are kind of descending upon these guys, and it looks really good still. I mean, the only scenes that we thought didn't age particularly well are the space aerial space scenes. In in the second half of the movie. Yeah. It just Some kinda, of the stuff early in the movie looks okay. The second yeah. half, the whole Amy Smart, Denise Richards parts, those stink. The the more crowded the space scenes get, it it loses a little bit of that sheen. But man, there's there's hundreds upon these of the bugs, the bugs look good. in some of these scenes, and they look awesome. Yeah. And of course, some of that's mixed with practical too. But I mean, it it does a nice job. So I'm gonna wrap this up, and then we're gonna get into am I full of shit or not, which will be sort of a competition because there's two of you guys. Uh, we'll Sweet. see who comes out on top. But there's a scene in this movie where Johnny Rico embraces his destiny and and gives Dizzy. A good roll in the hay. Uh, <laughs> she had a crush on him in high school. And Jake Busey comes around with his green violin. And him circling you ominously as you realize that you're in love with this girl. Wouldn't that kill the mood perhaps forever? Okay. Ma- Jake what, 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 Busey what, what, making very deliberate eye contact is the sexiest thing in the world. First off, that, that was a very casual reference that we've forgotten to bring into the fold here. Yeah, Jake Busey's in this movie. I you did know, have that you, in my notes. Busey the lesser. Yeah, I was, let's get I was that out say, of the way. How is Jake Busey not a thing? It's the lone remaining yeah. mystery from this film. It, what it, what it, happened? It, he does a great job of chewing up scenery in this movie. He's, like, he's actually pretty good in this. He's supposed to be yeah, sort of a cowardly dipshit, and he plays it to it, perfection. He nails it. He nails it. Yeah. We that, can't I, talk I, about... Wait, wait, wait. Jake Busey's got one of the best lines in this movie, clearly. Who needs a knife in a nuke fight? I mean, that whole scene's great. And the answer to that is the one thing we haven't talked about. Clancy goddamn Brown is in this movie. The Kurgan from Highlander, Lex Luthor from the Superman animated show in Justice League. Um, The the, the prison guard from the Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Oh, yeah. Surtur from Thor Ragnarok, the bad guy in the Punisher storyline of Daredevil season two. Clancy goddamn Brown is in this thing. No brain, no pain, Pet Cemetery 2. <laughs> There's a deeper cut than I could have made, sir. Well played. Uh, deep pull, wizard, deep pull. So the curious part of that scene where he throws this knife into Jake Busey's hand is that the enemy they're fighting doesn't use nukes. So he throws this knife through Jake Busey, and knives are actually completely useless against the bugs. And and, and the targets they shoot in the following scene uh, are human. Yeah. They actually, their like entire preparation is based with live fire drills with like actual like other soldier-looking counterparts. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, that doesn't quite, uh, you know... The, the, the uh, my understanding is uh, that is one of the most problematic scenes in this movie for like the real military crowd you know this whole the whole live fire exercise thing with 
other people training around it and all that. Yeah, people have problems with that. The real realists have problems with that. The real realists for the sci-fi movie with giant space bugs. Nazis yeah. and giant bugs. It seems like it'd be ill-advised considering what happens to poor Rube Baker from Major League Two. Yeah, yeah, it's that, that was tough. That was tough. But props to them. That was some good, you know, f- for the time. That was some good practical effects. Yeah, the guy gets his head blown off. I, I, I'm still convinced, though. I'm still convinced, and I, I made this comment earlier. I'm pretty sure when you fast forward to the outpost scene, when they do like the overhead shot of the aftermath of all the stuff that's going on, I'm pretty sure they reuse that 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 headshot prop. And you see him again laying on his back in a pile of debris and crap with like the one eye shot out. I swear they reused that. There's so many dead bodies in this movie that's probably right. Yeah, I think they. I, I read online somewhere that the guy who did the special effects for this. I wish I knew his name, uh, but this this movie had the record at the time for the most blank rounds fired in one of his uh, projects. That would also because there not there is a me. lot of gunfights in this movie, big ones, big battles. So all right, when we come back, am I full of shit or not? True or false? We'll see who comes out on top. So we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops with our Starship Troopers episode. Uh, Remember, this is presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I am the Thunderous Wizard, and I'm about to test Chumpzilla and Captain Cash with some true or false that I found around the internet. So I will present a question to you. You both can answer, and I'll tally up the scores. We'll see who wins at the end. Are you ready? I'm doing my part. I was born ready. Number one, Casper Van Dien was not the original choice to play Juan Johnny Rico. They wanted to cast the role appropriately since the character is meant to be from Buenos Aires. I'm going to say no. False. False. You're both right. Both James Marsden and Mark Wahlberg turned down the role. So he technically wasn't the first choice, but they did not want to cast it appropriately. So Cyclops or Marky Mark? Yeah, I, I I I can see James Marsden. I can't see Marky Mark. I could see Marky Mark being in this movie and taking it as seriously as any actor's ever taken a movie, not understanding that he's in a something that's meant to be satirical. Although the same could be said for I think everybody that's actually in the movie. Yeah, I, I don't think Casper Van Dien grasped it either. To be honest, I don't think he did. I, I, I think like he felt he was hear... a man. Uh, I, I would just like to hear Marky Mark in his Boston accent play Johnny Rico from Brain Aires. It would have been priceless. <laughs> ah, you apes want to live forever. <laughs> Number two, Newmare wrote the script as a direct adaptation using its original title and all. Oh, fuck no. Yeah, <laughs> and, false. False. And I, I really want to talk about this. Because this adaptation is a giant middle finger to to the to original Starship Troopers, yes. and and I mean it absolutely deserves it. That Heinlein book is a piece of trash and it's fascist as hell. Uh, completely seriously. Well, so but, yeah, but, but, yeah. Let's make sure we come back to the source material because it does deserve some credit because it has had some huge influences to the sci-fi community in general. But Fucking yeah, power it, armor. Yeah, but it, but it definitely, yeah, it was that source material is not what this movie is. No, 
This is not a reflection of the source material. So the movie was originally supposed to be called Bug Hunt at Outpost 9. Of course, they go to Outpost 9. However, when similarities were noted between the script and the sci-fi novel, they decided to get the rights to it. Uh, They were actually filming already before they got the rights, so then they had to go in and sort of retrofit characters and situations. But uh, from what I understand, the film differs pretty drastically from the book itself, except for the main conceit, which is humans, bugs, war. And of course, the message. There's a couple of beats that are are similar. For example, there is a training accident where Rico is reprimanded, but in the book, it's a virtual training, and he fires a rocket without clearing that his teammates are out of the way first, whereas in the movie, it's obviously, you know, they take the the headshot off the guy from major, or the helmet off of the guy from (laughs) Major League Two, and he gets shot in the head. But, you know, they, they hit some of the same beats. Yeah, the whole arc for Zim, Clancy Brown's character is the same. He's a drill sergeant that purposefully takes a decommission so he can go be the bug hunter and becomes a hero as a result. Also, one of the most, like, blatantly, like, this is the glory of serving moments in the movie. You know, like, this guy is set for life, but that's not good enough for him. You know, he wants to be in the shit, doing his part. And he goes yeah. back, and of course, he's the big hero. Meanwhile, the majority of people that do that die, right? Like, die. Yeah. Don't, don't forget the guy that Rico sees when he's signing up, and he's like, oh, mobile infantry, that may be the man that I am today. And he's got no legs. That guy actually yeah. had no legs, so. Yeah. <laughs> Number three. Wait, was that, a, was, that a, was that a kid's joke? No, he uh, literally, that, that actor... No, uh, he must have been a veteran. I don't know. I did, but that uh, that was again. That that's another subtle nod there that upon first view I didn't catch. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a nod to uh, the previous thing we had done. Can't hardly wait. I have no legs. Uh, Charlie Corsmo still the best actor that we've had the privilege of discussing on this podcast. Charlie, if you're out there, I'd like you to defend me in my impending trial. Exception Clancy Brown. Moving on. Yeah. All right. So number three, the film itself, the film, a satire itself, was featured on an episode of Riff Tracks, a show whose whole conceit is them mocking a movie as they watch it. I would accept this as yes. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go no. Okay. It is true. So you've taken the lead, ah. Captain Cash. So Riff Tracks, ah. which I think would like vet things, had no idea that this movie was meant to be sort of purposely over the top and yeah. the the poor acting which Verhoeven himself admits is pr- probably the weakest element in the film but it definitely was intentional he casted a specific type of actor for the movie they described the film as dumb and loud and a goofy mess riff tracks you missed the point yeah i can't i can't blame him though because he did i mean this is a very effective action movie um and it i it, that was the point it was meant to be slick he, yeah that 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 that's part of the subversiveness. Yeah. Hey, as I, as I admitted to, like I hated it because I went into it when I was fourteen, thinking like this is going to be straight action. This is aliens. This is predator. It's not going to muss around. I was all about that type of stuff. You know, I love action. I mean, I love John Wick to this day. Like I love action movies. John Wick is a smart action movie, whereas most of the ki- stuff I watched when I was a kid, not particularly smart. Yeah, I mean, 
you look at the movie like Predator. Predator works on one one level. There's not there's there really isn't a whole lot more to Predator. This movie this movie works on the Predator level, but there is a second layer to it. Predator, there is no misconception that these guys may be in the wrong for what they're doing because the enemy they face is in the wrong, right? The enemy is the invading force. The enemy is targeting people who don't know he's targeting them. They're just out there doing their job, and they get caught up in it. Yeah. like I guess the analogy I would draw at the end when Arnold's got the Predator down and wounded, the Predator doesn't express any fear or remorse or... No. He doesn't beg for mercy. He laughs and sets off his thermonuke detonator. He laughs in the laugh of Arnold's slain friend. Friend, yeah. Like, he, he, like you know exactly where that is stacked at that point. Yeah. This movie this movie's got a whole other layer to it. But it's it's built upon a foundation and it was marketed again. You, you can't fault yourself for that, uh, uh, Wizard, because they marketed this movie as straightforward action. Yeah. I mean, it, they had a huge marketing push behind it. Number four, the armor from the film would later be recycled and used in episodes of Power Rangers and Firefly. Yes. Yes, yes. This, that is a thing that happened. That is true. Uh, the soldier's armor appeared in a Power Rangers Lost Galaxy episode in 1999. A few years later, it showed up in the Train Job episode of Firefly. Uh, I've never watched Firefly, but if you own the DVDs on the commentary, they note that they again reused it at a later date, although they painted it purple, so you can't really recognize it. How have you not watched Firefly? (sighs) Dude, there's so much media out there these days. It's really hard to keep up with stuff. And then you miss it. It's been around since 2004. I know, but then, you know, you start watching that, you miss something else. It was also used in uh, one of the Planet of the Apes movies. But painted black. Probably the Burton one, I would assume. I mean, Uh, it's got to be Burton. That was 2001, so. Yeah. Uh, They got a lot of mileage. Yeah, this is a Disney movie. Buena Vista was the international uh, uh, distributors for this. So I think that makes Dizzy a uh, a Disney princess. Same with Carmen Abanas, technically. I would take that. What about the brain bug? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, does the brain bug count? Uh, I'm I'm gonna count. Is that uh, does that go through in your head cannon now, Captain I mean, Cash? That seems fair. I will tell you this: if the brain bug was in uh, Wreck It Ralph two, movie would have been way more interesting. Did not like Wreck It Ralph two. Number five. Since its release, the movie has amassed a cult following. One such fan, Macaulay Culkin. True. Ex- yeah, except that is true. It is true. Macaulay Culkin did an uh, interview that I found. said, Starship Troopers, he's skewering the kind of propaganda and greed and all those things that made their way to America. So I guess Macaulay's a little bit woke about the state of the United States. I think a lot of audience at first didn't know what they were, they were watching a political satire because the actors themselves didn't know they were in a satire. I liked Verhoeven's philosophy going into this whole thing. It feels like he just hired some soap actors and didn't really tell them there was a comedic tone. You can't really ask actors to act that bad. You hire bad actors and just don't say anything. <laughs> and I think that's why a big chunk of the movie succeeds. So Macaulay Culkin, we should have a beer with him. <laughs> Seems like he'd be a fun guy, honestly. You know, he was, uh, it wasn't that long ago he showed up at uh, like a house show wrestling event. 
and started pulling like all the Kevin McAllister McAllister esque stunts to like create yes. havoc on the bad wrestlers. It was pretty awesome. I'll have to, I'll put that on the Twitter at Hops and Bo Flops. Uh, it seems like he just has fun and enjoys life, and you can't really fault him for that because growing up a child star has to be incredibly weird. Did he not have to emancipate himself from his parents at some point as well? Like I thought he had a pretty stressed relationship with like a stage parents. I can't verify that or not, but I do think I recall hearing that. Yeah, his his childhood was not easy. Oh, you're probably familiar with the angry video game nerd guy. Yes. But he he uh, does quite a bit of stuff with Macaulay Culkin. Oh, really? He does guest spots on his stuff, yeah. He's appeared on uh, several episodes of his uh, uh, web series. And, yeah, he's, he seems pretty up to it with the pop culture stuff and all that. And it's, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty funny because he seems like a weird dude. And he's a little eclectic, I'm not going to lie. No, he definitely is, yeah. But he, he crosses over with that guy. Huh. I'll yeah. have to look There you go. Well. All right, number six, I believe we're on. You're down by one, Chumpzilla. I'm in the hole. Test audiences hated Denise Richards' character, Carmen Ibanez, uh, so they had to cut part of her arc from the film. True or false? False. I'm going to say false. true. It is true. Captain Cash <laughs> goes up by two. So, but, 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 but how could they cut? There was like, it, it, it seemed like it was already cut. So I guess, you know, they pretty much hint that she winds up with... Uh, Xander. Yeah. But I guess in the original cut... There was more to that? She totally cheated on Rico with Xander. Test audiences hated it. They didn't believe that a woman could love two characters at the same time. Uh, They were so vocal about it, they decided to cut that out of the film. Because it seemed like it was a betrayal to Johnny Rico. I I, I just want to say something. That was one of the things... The few things that caught my attention in the first movie as being slightly off is why was Rico so hung up with Denise Richards when he had uh, uh, Dizzy, who was obviously infatuated with him? My teenage brain couldn't process that because uh, Dime Store Kylie Minogue is extremely attractive and she was pursuing him hard. Yeah, he was going after the seemingly non-interested, uh, you know, uh, you know, love character. I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. I couldn't relate to that. I'm like, why would you bother? You've got this very attractive woman that is begging for your attention, but you're going to go after Denise Richards. I, I, I couldn't figure that one out. And the whole thing is, like, he and Denise Richards in the film, their characters really have nothing in common. Whereas he and Dizzy have everything in common. So yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and 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 she's clearly you know more. She's the, like hey, uh, like uh, Captain Cash said, she's the quarterback of the football team. She's she's got a lot going for. Her. It's not like she was like uh, she she was not portrayed negatively in the film. It's not like you looked at those two characters and said, well, one's clearly better than the other. Uh, no, they were both. I think viable candidates to be the main love interest for 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 rico i, I just don't yeah that, that that part always confused me i'm team that, dizzy I, I was i was emotionally conflicted by that because i was pulling for dizzy number seven heinlein's novel is or was actually required marine corps reading false 
What say you, Chumzilla? Um, um, I'm going to go with false. It's true. Yeah. Uh, that was my chance. That was my chance. That was a good chance. Apparently, it is also on the Navy's required reading list. Wow. So. I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Yeah. Well, not that shocked. I mean, I'm I'm kind of bummed for the Devil Dogs. I thought they'd be smarter than that, but eat crayons. What are you gonna do? Number Oof. number Oof. eight. You still got time here. Not much, but you've got a little bit of time. Uh, one of the starships in the film is named after a real life war hero. True. True. And do I get extra points if I can name which one it is? No. But damn it. Well, it's means. the Roger Young. It is the Roger Young. Young. Uh, so, and as you mentioned, Zim is based on Roger Young, the drill sergeant who goes back, you know, gives up his position to go back as a private on the front line. Was that, was that, was that a Canadian, English, English guy, right? English guy. He was a posthumous U.S. Medal of Honor recipient, uh, killed in action, gave up his life so his comrades could escape heavy gun, gunfire at the ends of J- hands of Japanese troops. Well played. And Roger. in the book, that's. Yeah, in the book, that's the uh, ship Johnny Rico is stationed on. Stationed on. Yeah, the the glory of the Roger Young. Okay, so you guys, uh, we're coming down to the wire. Number nine, Seattle math rockers minus the bear used the film as inspiration when naming some of their songs. I'm going to say true because that's insane enough that it must be. Yeah, I I guess I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to, play the odds here and to try to get closer and say false it is true so on their Ah, further away on their 2002 debut album highly refined pirates there are song titles uh you killed bugs good man and damn bugs whacked him johnny which is what the uh ginger lady says to johnny rico as they watch the aftermath of the Buenos Aires bombing, which was actually real-life footage from, uh, I believe, Oakland wildfires in the early 90s. Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't nuclear test bomb footage like the Fantastic Four. Yeah, true. Yeah, call back. Number 10. The Do You Know More propaganda infomercials were taken from an actual far-right campaign in Austria. I'm going to give that a true. Uh, I, I'm going to be a contrarian. False. It is false. Ah. But they were used as a source of inspiration for a 1998 uh, far-right Australian party called the One Nation Party who channeled their feel in hopes of attracting younger members. Uh, the One Nation Party lost big and quickly went away. I wish that were the case today because uh, far-right parties are popping up all over the world. Yeah, look, it's it's 2019, and we're we're fighting Nazis and and trying to convince people vaccines work. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to know more? Would you like to know more? And our last. You can uh, edit that out. <laughs> our last true or false. Uh, it's Verhoeven's favorite of his own films, uh, but he he is open to the idea of one day remaking it. False. Yeah, uh, I'm given that I'm in the lead and I have no uh, incentive to buck the trend. I will also say false. It is false. Now, it is, in fact, his favorite 
of his own films. Nice. Uh, but he thinks the prospect of remaking it in today's fi- divided political climate is a yep. dangerous one. So in an interview with Andrew Wire, he said, uh, the production team of that movie, of the remake, they would go back more and more toward the novel. And of course, we really, really tried to get away from the novel because we felt that the novel was a fascistic and militaristic you know, piece of fiction. You feel like going back to the novel would fit very much into the Tangerine Nightmares presidency. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's probably the biggest problem with this movie is that you can view it in the wrong way. As I did yeah. upon yeah. first view. I mean, and I, I think he's but, but definitely that, but right. But that's why the, but that's why this move that, that's why the movie again works so well because it works on those two those two layers. And, but you have to be smart enough to catch it. I think you know you peel away the most important layer, the subversive layer, the subtext of the dangers of living in a society where you don't question what is going on, etc. and so on. It is, you know, it's an action movie and it's an entertaining one, but it's also, it's considering how the movie's shot, you come to find the humanity and the bugs. That's you, you have empathy for them. It's that's a dangerous thing. Like you're riling people up against this common enemy by painting them in a not so sympathetic light, when in fact they just want to be left alone. So. And yeah, uh, I think I think it's also you know it, the movie's it's slick and it's meant to be slick. That's part of the charm. That that's that's what uh, he's you know uh, Verhoeven's trying to sell is that that's how this happens. It happens because it's easy. It happens because it's slick. An- another key thing that that I catch watching this movie you know again is that they ask why why did you join. You know why? Why did you join? And you know the the people in that. It's one of the like one of the the the, the locker scenes. I don't know if it's one of the the joint showers, but it's one of the locker scenes. And uh, like, oh yeah, well, why, you know, why did you you know sign up? And one of the the, the ladies says, oh, I want to have babies. And someone else answers, politics, because I got to serve to get into politics. One guy says, I want to get into Harvard. The other guy wants to be a writer, which, again, I think was a little bit of a, a full metal jacket nod. And basically they're saying, so why are you signing up for the murder of others? And it's like, oh, because I have ambitions in life. I know that if I sign up to kill bugs, I get access to a career down the road. This is an ends to, a, you know, uh, or means to an end. Excuse me. Uh, you know, this, this is part of how we move up in society. You know, this is culturally recognized as an achievement. And I'm like, man, that is that is so culturally relevant. Because you look at our politics today, military service is a huge plus if you want to get into politics. I understand that, that. You know, again, that that I'm like, wow, that 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 little throwaway scene. That's part of uh, uh, the genius of this movie. Uh, so interesting fact about that shower scene, which is sort of striking when you watch it, because it's male and female co-ed showering. They're all naked. Actors were very hesitant to do it. So Verhoeven uh, and the cinematographer said, well, we'll just shoot it naked. And they're like, they said, if you shoot it naked, well, no problem, we'll do it. So they said, okay, we'll shoot it naked. So they were naked too. <laughs> no way. Yep. <laughs> I respect that level of commitment. Yeah. Though Chumzilla raises an interesting point. 
the woman says that she does it because she wants to have babies. Does that mean only citizens can have multiple babies? Because Johnny Rico's parents don't aren't veterans themselves and can't vote. They're just civilians. Well, it could be that laws have changed. Also acceptable, I suppose. So you, I guess you don't really you don't really know, but it, it, it's yeah. I think it's just implied that it it gives you access to greater uh, social uh, programs and 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 stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it just that that again upon further review that the little. That little throwaway scene because it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's just kind of like some character motivation for a bunch of people. I don't even know those people's names. They were just the, the random people in the platoon. But everybody's there for some specific reason, and it's not because they hate the bugs. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, they're not. There, they're not. They're not there because of the bugs. We're here because of the bugs. Like, no, I'm here for my college money. You know, I'm here because this is this is a path to a better life. Because this is what we have to do. I have to murder the others to get what I want out of life. So that's why I'm here. Just remember when Johnny Rico is originally asked by Michael Ironside's character, you know, what's the difference? He gives him the stock answer. And then later, his answer is just like Michael Ironside's. You know, like this, because this is what we do. So you see the evolution of how deep he's getting into this cult of personality. Remember what does Michael Ironside say in the classroom? Do you believe it? And he does. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, I've got a snap assessment question. We'll do some recommendations, and uh, we'll do a six degrees. So Chumpzilla and uh, Captain Cash will test me with two actors. Can I connect them in six degrees or less using actors that they share similar movies with? So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Real quick, uh, remember you can always find us on Twitter at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself at WriterTLK. You can find Captain Cash on various social media at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H. Please interact with us. Tell us what you think about the episode. Likes, dislikes, disagreements, whatever. And movie recommendations. And also leave us a review, preferably on Apple Podcasts, because that is predominant platform of choice so snap assessment which horde of mindless alien spawn would you like to face the least the xenomorphs the bugs or an army of elves i the obvious answer is an army of elves i just keep throwing yeah that, 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 at them and i'm safe that, that's not even a question yeah i mean army and elves army and elves of elves is pretty tough one your fridge is not safe <laughs> Well, but the, th- the thing is, the thing is, we know how to take down an army of bugs. We've seen it done. True. We know how to take down an army of uh, of xenomorphs. We've seen it done. I, I've only seen one elf. I wouldn't know what to do with multiple alpha. I mean, that that is a foreign concept. Uh... Point of order: the plural of of multiple alf is like elves. It's alves. 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 Owls. Owls. Okay, owls. Yeah, I, see, I, I, I don't, I don't have a, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to trifle with more than one elf, let alone one. I don't want to do it. Alfie. Alfie. Again. Yeah. Nope. Owls. 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 Okay. 
So I will say, you know, we've been, uh, we sort of talked about Aliens as being sort of a big action movie, but it's important to remember Aliens is also an intelligent movie, and the humans, again, are the bad guys. Not all the humans, but the greater subtext is that the greed of humanity is the problem. Like, they want to capture this species so they can replicate it for nefarious means. Yeah. Paul Reiser. Yeah, no, Paul Reiser is excellent as a scummy bad guy in that movie. He really is. Yeah. Isn't that the same same deal with ALF, though? I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. I just know he eats a lot. (laughs) And you should keep your cats away from him. He likes cats, yeah. It, it it ends with the government kidnapping Alf for, I mean, presumably nefarious purposes. It's a very down note. So the season finale is literally the end of E.T.? The series finale? Yeah, yeah. the series finale is literally the end of Act 2 of E.T. E.T. does not yeah. escape. Oh, that's awful. I, I, I... I'd like to point out that E.T. was was a terrifying movie as a child. I saw I saw E.T. in the theater. I remember being scared. That that second act was terrifying. Of again the government agents, who yes. were in hazmat suits and they're yes. basically faceless. That and was traumatic. Yeah, no, that's not that easy. To, it's not easy to swallow as a kid. So T- Temple of Doom was also scary, but not as scary as E.T. Well, they're drinking so, blood in Temple of Doom. And, the heart, the heart, the heart scene was intense. The Shit heart gets scene real in Temple of Doom. Yeah. That was a PG movie. I know. Imagine that. That's why we. It's why we have PG thirteen today. Yeah. If we want to do six degrees, uh, who do you guys got for me? You can pick an obviously pick an actor from this movie. Pick another actor. Okay, I, I've got an easy one for you. Okay, uh, Mr. Wizard. Uh, but I want to see if you can get to it the way I want you to. I've got our buddy Neil Patrick Harris and Peter Weller. And Peter Weller. Trying to keep it in the Verhoeven family here. Okay. Well, I... I'll give you, I'll give you one hint. I'll give you one hint. You should be able to do this in one shot. I should be able to do it in one shot. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Okay. Well, what what's the one shot? Captain Cash. Fucking Ironsides. No. Oh, there's two then. Dang it. Oh, Michael Ironside, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's it? Wait, what was he in? Oh, wait, no. Am I, I no, think he's, I'm not in, he's not in Robocop. You're thinking Total Recall. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I was confusing uh, Michael Ironsides with the uh, dad from with, that 70s with show. Red. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Bitches, leave. I forget. I just listened to a podcast about Dead Poets Society, and I forgot the dad's name. Real name. Yeah, Red. Red. Uh, Clarence. Clarence Brody in the movie. Can't think of the actor. I can't think of his name, and I know it, too. All right, so Peter Weller to Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. That's tough. Why don't you guys give your recommendations, and I'll think about it. We'll see what (laughs) I My recommendation is to go watch The Expanse. It's on Amazon Prime. It is the best hard sci-fi show out there. We're getting a season four thanks to Amazon and Jeff Bezos. It's just, it's just, it's, it's so good, you guys. You should watch it. And you're doing that for Comic Con, so. 
that is one of literally six costumes I'm putting together for Comic Con. You might be going overboard. I might be a little insane right now. Yeah, I've got two weeks to finish this all out. NPH to Peter Weller. NPH to Peter Weller. Chumpzilla, what do you recommend for this? Uh, anything you've watched recently that you would recommend? Well, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab something that I think might be lost on some of the younger audience. Um, Slapshot. Great film. It, it's a it's a, it's a good sports comedy movie. It's a little crude, um, but I think it fits in the same vein as Starship Troopers and the Verhoeven films because I think it works on two two levels. Because you got this minor league hockey angle, but you've also basically got a bunch of guys with this old school sense of masculinity trying to fit into modern society, and they turn into a character uh, to like a a. a a caricature of themselves and, and bring some success, but it, it's not sustainable. And they still have to grapple with how, how to live in this world because they can't be, you can't be hockey players forever. You got to move on to something else. So I, I, you know, I, I give that movie a little more credit than just being a crude, you know, hockey uh, comedy. There's something about like, you know, Hey, hey how, how do men grow up mature in the world? Uh, and find find a home, and and I think and and most of the comedy still holds up, and it's it's Paul Newman. Come on, yeah, Paul Newman's the man. All right, so I'm right on the cusp of it, and I keep it, it's one it's one jump, man. It's one jump. And I keep forgetting the guys. I can't remember the guy's name. No, he, he it's real easy. You, you let me know when you cry, Uncle. I'll tell you. You'll be sad. Okay, so I, I, what I'm thinking is Weller to Red, who would then go to I'm well, sure anybody might, from that... Dead Poets Society. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think. That's that's a good connection because you got there's a lot of people there's there. There's right? so you many people to... in Dead Poets Society. But see, I think the the reason I picked Neil Patrick Harris is because I think he's got a limited limited filmography he does wait he's, he's also in Harold and kumar right yeah some, which is sort of the go-to um, yeah exactly but that, that again that's kind of limited because you don't get it's hard to pull back to red because what's he done really in movies since robocop but that's what i'm trying to connect him through i'm sorry captain cash what you got i, I heard the gears turning and Weller's mostly been on TV. Like he was on Longmire. He was on Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. So, so Mr. Wizard, what's his biggest non-RoboCop role? Peter Weller. Uh huh. Cult, cult style. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, look at the big brain on Cash. So how does that connect him to Neil Patrick Harris? Clancy Brown. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Clancy Brown was in Buckaroo Banzai with Peter Weller. Huh, there you go. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I contributed today. Like, that's, that's, one, that, that's one to grow on. <laughs> Listen, if you could have got there, you could have got there through Jeff Goldblum. That's yeah, Jeff Goldblum, too. Yeah. Yeah. Your buddy Jeff Goldblum. 
Hey, you know, I'll, I'll throw in a, an extra uh, a recommendation. Uh, UHF. Isn't that celebrating some kind of anniversary recently? or Maybe it was I don't playing know, locally and I saw it. That movie, I, I never saw it when it came out. I was, you know, aware of it on the fringes. It was on, you know, demand for free on cable. I watched it. And I was like, well, that's really funny. This is actually halfway decent. Uh, that movie was a victim of coming out with, you know, the, the Tim Burton Batman 89. Came out the same weekend. It had no chance. Oh, yeah. That, that, was, that was weird. It crushed. But that movie, literally, it was, it was a goofball comedy. And it, it should have been something that launched uh, Weird Al to the next level. Uh, it didn't happen. Hey, Weird Al's still kicking it, man. Yeah, still no, doing hey, his thing. He's doing fine, but that 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 is a halfway decent '80s comedy movie. That's kind of locked and stuff. Should have launched Michael Richards too. He was in that. Uh, of course, he went on gained quite a bit of fame as Kramer, but yeah, but you could see you could see the talent that he had because yeah, yeah he has a substantial role in that movie. He does, yeah. So my recommendation. Captain Fantastic uh, with Viggo Mortensen. Uh, if you've never seen it, it's available for free right now on IMDb Free Dive, which is sort of connected to Amazon. You'd have to watch commercials, but I mean, it's free. So, uh, Captain Fantastic is about a guy who takes basically his whole family into the wilderness and they live off the grid and they live by their own means and they, they're outside of the general societal norms and I think it's a really good movie, and he says a lot of point, poignant things in the movie, and one of the quotes he says to his kids is, the powerful control the lives of the powerless, which again, in today's climate, it's a pretty poignant thing. Um, but what I find so fascinating about it is everybody thinks this guy's wrong for what he's doing. You know, like, it can't be right because it's not the norm. It's not what everybody else is doing your kid should be in a regular public school. And of course, he's teaching his kids to read voraciously, to really explore what they're reading and see, search for deeper context in it. Um, and there's like all these moments between him and like his sister-in-law, because the whole sort of pretext of the movie is that his wife is mentally ill, she commits suicide, and he's hmm. going to go to the funeral, whether the family likes it or not, because he's sort of an outcast and they're not cool with him and they think it's his fault that this lady has committed suicide, but like his kids are so well read. Um, they may not understand the world in terms of what we would consider normal, but they they've questioned things. They've learned to think independently. It was a really good movie. So I recommend captain fantastic. Wow. So was that an, uh, an independent release? Yeah. And what you come to find is this guy's certainly stubborn and maybe he has, some things wrong, but he has a lot of things right. And as you get older and you start to look at the world around you, it's only natural to begin to question some of the things that are wrong with society and how they could be improved upon, and yet they're never improved upon. So I loved it. And Viggo Mortensen's such a great actor. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm really impressed with what he's done, uh, you know, in a couple movies with Cronenberg uh, as well. Yeah. Taking some like yeah. not because you know that's not exactly where I thought his career arc was going to take him post Lord of the Rings, but 
He's taking some more serious, edgy stuff. Well, I think they tried to peg him into the hole of being a traditional, handsome, leading man. And oh, what, just, was that, what was uh, that horrible Hildago? Hildago, what was that horrible horse yeah. yeah. Where he Ugh. rode the horse across the desert. And he just yeah. wasn't interested in it. And good for him. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's... And completely false. Yeah. Like, oh. it, it, it's supposed to be based on a true story. Oh. That guy made that shit up. That was, that was bullshit? Hidalgo? Yeah, complete bullshit. Yeah. Uh, good to know. And I'll find the interview, because he actually went on real time with Bill Maher when Captain Fantastic came out and... He's a like he's a guy that likes to think, you know, for himself. He has ideas. He's not, uh, you know, actually a lot. Of, I w- I wouldn't say most actors are sort of as as people conceive them. A lot of actors have a lot of philanthropic interests and are very intelligent people. Uh, but he went on and he he talked really passionately about the project. So he yeah, seems like a really not. interesting dude. So that is our. Uh, big starship troopers episode and for listeners this was a recommended episode we hadn't planned on doing it somebody said hey why don't you do starship troopers fit the bill uh i was happy we did do it because you know this this movie should have an audience now and and moving forward and it should be seen for the messages it has uh and it's been it's never been more relevant uh, than right now, as we've said. So check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, if you're annoyed by bad acting, just grin and bear it because the acting's not good. And, and but it's intentional. And yeah. hey, that should, this this movie should be the real recommendation. Of this episode. See if you haven't seen it, go see Starship Troopers. Unfortunately, we're recording it like two days after it's no longer free on Amazon Prime uh, or so, Comcast. Yeah, so it was free, uh, but. Right now they've got it. You can rent it in 4K from Amazon. It looks great. So, so hey, Wizard, I, w- I want to do something funny here. Um, I wanted to do a quick uh, nerd credential call out here. What is your nerdiest possession? My nerdiest possession? Yeah. Because, what, what, I mean, you're obviously a, you're a fan of pulp culture. You're a fan of uh, uh, movies and media. What is your single nerdiest cult type possession that's tough because i have like a lot of superman statues but i don't think those are necessarily that nerdy i do have a harry potter <laughs> no, no 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 but 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 i bet you some of them are nerdier than others i bet you some are, are more unique or rare superman versus muhammad ali i do have that yeah that one i don't think that, is i think that's like a, just a treasure for example like i uh, i got a record player for my birthday and my wife bought me the soundtrack to Big Trouble in Little China on vinyl. So I went out to, okay. the, to buy some records. And I bought the Superman 2 soundtrack. I bought the Justice League soundtrack, even though I don't like it, simply for the art. And then I also ordered the Terminator soundtrack off of Amazon in vinyl. Well, But first off, man, that's the beauty of LPs, right? Yeah. The art is part of the deal. Yeah, and that's so... That, okay. That's solid, though. That's a commitment. Going vinyl in 2019, going vinyl. The Superman uh, 2 soundtrack is great because it has the Superman logo etched into the vinyl. It's awesome. Oh, that is clutch. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, Captain Cash, what you got? That's a that's a tough call because, does it ha- I mean, 
Uh, Accepting accepting things I have made. The nerdiest thing I own is a copy of, I think it's Fantastic Four number 11, signed by Stan Lee, which I got when I was dressed as Doctor Doom and shouted at Stan Lee. Wow. Wow. That that that's impressive. Let the record note that Captain Cash admitted to shouting at an elderly man. Yeah, that's I shouted at an elderly man in character. Yeah. Doom requires your signature, Stan. That's impressive, though. That's impressive. Now, this was all a setup, just because I wanted to brag that I do have a complete collection of 1984 Secret Wars. Uh, action figures. Oh, you got the Daredevil, did you? I did, including including a complete Tower of Doom that I have displayed in an IKEA glass shelf case thing, along with the 12-inch Gentle Giant reproductions. Uh, they were supposed to do the whole line, but they discontinued them. So I, I only have uh, the Magneto, Black uh, <laughs> Costume Spider-Man, Wolverine, Hobgoblin, Red and blue costume Spider-Man and Captain America in the 12-inch version. But yeah, I mean, I just want to make sure that we all got our nerd credential out there, uh, uh, you know, to make sure that, uh, yeah, we weren't being posers. All right, I actually enjoyed that. And I'll post a picture of the, uh, I actually posted a picture of the record player online today, spinning the uh, Superman 2 soundtrack. But I'll also post a picture of my, uh, collection of superman statues which is a uh, it used to grow every year but i've been cut off uh captain cash if you want to send a picture of your uh, signed uh, comic we'll post our nerd credential send us your nerd credential because hey nothing wrong with being a nerd being a nerd's awesome and uh next week captain cash we're still planning on seeing godzilla because we better hurry <laughs> oh man i really do want to see that movie so let's uh let's get to the theater. Let's see Godzilla. I'm going to see Spider-Man: Far From Home Friday, but I'll see Godzilla Same here. independently, and then we'll record that. That'll be our last episode before our basically live Comic Con 50th anniversary sit down, where we'll just riff on the con. I think I don't think we need to talk about a movie, but we'll riff on stuff that's at the con, stuff we're excited about. I know it kind of sucks that uh, WB is not going and. Obviously, Marvel MCU is not going, but there'll be oh be some well, cool hold stuff up, there. the MCU will absolutely be there. The Russo brothers will be there. Oh, cool! So hey, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Hey, uh, real quick here, uh, hot hot takes because I'll steal something from uh, some NPR here. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Uh, so hot takes, Comic Con's coming up. Uh, uh, MCU uh, Phase Four is coming up. Uh, what are our predictions here? Let, let's get some hot takes. What do you got, Captain Cash? What do I think is going to happen? I mean, we already kind of know. There's going to be a Black Panther two. There's going to be a Captain Marvel two. Both of those movies made literally a billion plus dollars. Um, it, my, I just like to, I like to point out for for all the Captain Marvel hate, that movie made more money. Then everything except for the Avengers ensemble flicks and uh, Black Panther and the Dark Knight. <laughs> like, you can hate that movie all you want, but plenty of people went to go see it. No, it crushed so, it. And I, I, yeah, I, 
it I I wasn't the biggest fan. I don't think it was bad by any means, but I mean it crushed it. And good for that movie. People liked it. Pe- people liked it. Yeah. It, it, it and, and I, here's my excuse for the hot take comment. Hot take. Apologies in advance, Mr. Wizard, but that's the best Superman movie I've seen since the Donner films. No. Like that that nailed a heroic character who was conflicted to a point and once they realized which way, you know, the wind was blowing, they acted heroically and without without confusion and and kicked ass. No. And it wasn't mopey once once that character turned the corner they were heroic and they acted in a righteous manner and it was awesome that's the best superman movie i've seen since the donner films which are better the first Uh, two i think no i think wonder woman to me embodied everything i wanted from a superman movie she was it was a fish out of water thing you know she was a stranger in a strange place and she sees all the horrors that are happening around her, and she took a stand. And that was the moment I always wanted from one of these newer Superman movies that I never really got. Uh, but my hot take is, I have no evidence of this, but the wind to me for the DCU seems to be blowing in the direction that they want to keep things um, consistent. They want to have the heroes that we've come to know around, aside from Affleck, of course. And by the way, Pattinson's going to crush his Batman. And I think Cavill's going to be back. I've no, I've heard nothing, except the opposite of that. But somehow, some way, I think Cavill would be back. I think J.J. Abrams is going to direct Superman, and we're going to get the Superman movie that I've been waiting for. And I say this as someone who likes Man of Steel a lot. And who's one of my favorite movies is Batman versus Superman. I love it. I understand that not everybody does, but I do love it. And I, but it's not the Superman movie that it's not the definitive Superman movie that I've wanted for the majority of my life. You know, aside from obviously Christopher Reeve, but that's not my generation. I wasn't even born when that movie came out. I want you know like my generation to have their Superman. My hot take is that it's not the external or the Eternals at all. They're making some other different movie, hopefully a Fantastic Four film. That's what I want introduced in Phase Four. I I'm with you, Captain Cash. I'm ready for a real Doctor Doom. Let's get this going. It, 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 let's be clear: the Marvel, the Marvel Universe, Fox, Disney, otherwise, has failed miserably at Doom, the Fantastic Four. Galactus and the Silver Surfer. And honestly, I think that's one advantage the MCU has is that they can manage to screw up those kinds of characters and still be successful because there's so many characters involved. Like I think I think that that's a luxury that they've been uh, uh extended that the the uh you know that Warner Brothers doesn't have with the DC characters. Cuz because they've been able to survive that, but they've screwed up some major characters in the last ten years, fifteen they, years. They really have, uh, and multiple times, you know, with certain characters. Yeah. So well, that's not even talking about the X Men. <laughs> like Oof. we've literally had the Dark Phoenix twice. <laughs> that, and neither that, time that, was good. That'd be like having the death of Superman twice. At least Warner Brothers only screwed that up once. Hey, you never know; they might have killed him again. 
I was going to say, so oh, far. Oh, once, so oh far. shots fired. Shots yeah. fired. Uh, so that's it. We'll be back. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I'm psyched. That's another vinyl I'm looking to get is uh, one of the old school Godzilla soundtracks. I don't know if those exist on vinyl, but I love the, that music so much when Godzilla's coming. I love it. Those are great musical cues. Yeah. Those are great musical cues. All right. We'll see you next time. Hops and box office flops. <laughs>